Hey friend, Graham Baldwin here with The Speaker Lab. Hey, wouldn't it be nice if someone gave you the exact process to find and book more speaking gigs in 2024? That'd be nice, right? Well, I'll tell you what, we're just gonna do that for you. We've created a new 18-page guide based on Dan Irvin's process that helped him actually book over $100,000 in speaking gigs in the past year. Now, Dan is one of our uh, team members here. He's this, a very successful speaker and also one of our coaches. And so you're gonna learn how to get started prospecting, master discovery calls, proposal emails, and so much more. All you got to do is go to thespeakerlab.com slash steps. Again, that's plural, thespeakerlab.com slash steps. We're going to send you that PDF guide right to your inbox. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash steps. That's it. That's all you got to do. Go there. Hey, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. You're awesome. What is up, my friend? Grant Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. Hey, we are glad you're here. We're glad you're joining us for episode 169. Today, we're going to talk with my buddy, John Michael Morgan. And uh, one of the things right out of the gate that we discuss is his name. I asked him about uh, dealing with a common name like John Morgan as a personal brand. He incorporates his middle name, Michael, part of the time. Sometimes he doesn't. So we talk about that. We talk also about his evolution of shifting from one topic to another, how he has made that work. This is a, a question I get from from speakers a lot who are going, hey, I'm speaking on this one thing, but I want to pivot to something different. How do I do that? And so we talk through John exactly how he's done that for him and his business. We talk about issues of, of mindset for speakers, how to overcome them. This is a really key thing. This is something that we have haven't really got much into in the past, but I think John shares some really great insights and wisdom here. Also, we talk about a great thing he learned from uh, Seth Godin while introducing or, or while interrupting breakfast that Seth was having. I think you're going to enjoy that story. And then finally, we're going to talk through uh, about how he learned to be more vulnerable, how he learned to be more comfortable in his own skin as a speaker and how you can do the same. So let's not waste any more time. Let's get right into this conversation with my buddy, John Michael Morgan. Enjoy. What's up, my friends? Grant Baldwin here. Hey, today I'm hanging out with my buddy, John Morgan or John Michael Morgan. So which is it? Which do, which do you prefer to go by? I don't really have a preference, but in business, most people call me John Michael Morgan because you got to have the unique brand. And John Morgan is a ridiculously common name. Uh, I graduated high school with three other John Morgans. No way. Uh, yeah, two of which their middle name was Michael. So it's like... <laughs> You know, my parents and all their friends were like, let's just all do the same thing. And so it's like the most common, boring name of all time. And I don't care about SEO or anything like that. What I realized is that there's a hypnotist named John Morgan. And everyone would come up to me and they're like, are you going to hypnotize us? Are you going to tell us how you to look stop? like you have the look, though? Like you, you could be that dude. Oh, oh I can hypnotize someone, but not <laughs> officially. Right. And so, <laughs> but yeah, like so people would come and I'd be like, no, I'm not. I'm not that guy. Yeah. And then also locally, I used to own a real estate company and I was just John Morgan in that. And so many people knew me as that. And when I started coaching and speaking and all that full time, I didn't want people to think of me as the real estate guy. I yeah. didn't want to be put in that box. And so going by John Michael Morgan was kind of a way to pull out from that. So I don't care. Ultimately, yeah, it's always funny when, to people like when they come up to me and they don't know me and they're like, hi, John Michael, how are you? And I'm like, you don't know me at all. Like, <laughs> this is great. What's the domain that you use then? JohnMichaelMorgan.com. Okay. See, that's the whole thing. So like JohnMorgan.com, back when I was trying to get the domain, was by a guy who used JohnMorgan.com to show pictures of his Trans Am and chili peppers that he grew. <laughs> and so I wrote him and I was like, you don't seem to be doing a whole lot with it. Like your hobbies are great, but like... <laughs> 
would you mind, you know, I'll buy this domain right, from you. Right. And he wrote me back and he was like, hmm, seems like a popular name, $800,000 and it's yours. Are you serious? And, yeah. And I was like, I'll go buy Michael. Like, <laughs> you know, you have a nice life. <laughs> I uh, so I yeah. had a similar scenario, but I lucked out because the uh, GrantBalden.com was owned by a retired guitar teacher in California, and nice. so I called him up, and his concern was like, uh, like I was just getting started speaking. He's like, ah, I mean, if you don't use it, I want it back. I was like, I'm gonna use it. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep it. <laughs> so he sold it to me for three hundred bucks. Nice. Like, sold i will take that so now like yeah. uh, i own my uh, my daughters my wife all their names as domains i've uh snatched all those up and just gonna sit on them until they need them someday and then sell it back to them at, at, at an exorbitant rate so and that's what's funny like i remember i was really ecstatic because i got john morgan on twitter uh-huh. you know, i was early so i was like awesome and then when facebook allowed us you know to customize yeah. that part i remember the night it happened it was switching over at midnight and i'm like you know hovering over the keyboard ready to go and I grabbed facebook.com slash John Morgan. And the moment I did, like three other John Morgans messaged me and they were like, dang, you were fast. That's crazy. And I was like, oh my gosh, like there's like a whole little mini army of us, you know, fighting right. Right. over this thing. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, this is ridiculous. So now I just, John Michael Morgan, you know, it sounds a little bit like, you know, an assassin, like most serial yeah, killers yeah, have does. three names. So got that rhyme to it. Right. So it's kind of got that element, but it does work. It it really does. Because like I said, people, they gravitate towards it and they remember it. It, You know, John is a very common name. And so adding Michael to it, just, I don't like, you know, it's an easy way to stand out. It's simple and it it works. All right, John, Michael Morgan. So for people who are not familiar with you, give us a snapshot on your business and how speaking fits into it. Sure. So I'm a coach. I coach entrepreneurs and anyone in sort of a leadership position. And basically what I do is I will help them in one or two areas, either the right mindset and habits to hit their goals and, you know, kind of get out of their way and build that out. Or if they're pretty solid there, then we go straight into marketing and branding because that's my background. Where speaking ties into that is I love to talk and I love attention and learned very quickly that when you were on stage and you've got the microphone, people are going to want to come up and hire you for coaching afterwards. You know, you're the authority, right? Like you're the guy or the girl. And so they, you know, sort of gravitate towards that. And coaching is the bulk of my business. Speaking, like I said, it's fun, but it is also, I do it to build the authority, to build an audience. And because of that, I don't travel and speak as aggressively as others do because it's not like, I don't need to do it to make money, right? Like I don't need to go speak to eat, but I love doing it. And I love that part of my business. So I get to kind of pick and choose events a little more than other speakers because like it's, if they can pay me, that's awesome. But I look for, you know, where is it? Do I have friends in the area? Is this a cool event? Like, cause I want to, I want to hang out. Like I want to make it an experience. I'm not just there to like fly in, grab the check and get out, which is great for the people that do that. But that makes sense when it's the core of their business, right? right? Speaking is something that just helps fuel my coaching business. Well, I think that's one of the cool things about speaking in general is that, you know, oftentimes people think that there's one way to do it. And the reality is, is there's, there's no right or wrong way to do it. So, you know, we both have mutual friends who do 50, 75, hundred gigs a year, and that's all they do. And they're great at that. And there's nothing wrong with that. 
you know, people who, uh, and they charge, you know, very high fees to do that. And other people right. who do five, 10, 15 gigs a year uh, at maybe a lower fee, or maybe sometimes for free because it feeds other part of their business. And it's not that one is better or worse than another. It's just figuring out what makes sense for you. So it sounds like speaking ultimately is a, on the front end of lead gen for the coaching business. So the coaching side, are you doing a lot of, of one-on-one stuff or group stuff or what, what is that like? Yeah, so I do both. So I have uh, the biggest thing I do is a group coaching. It's called the Achievers Alliance. You know, that has entrepreneurs in it from all over the world. And then uh, in addition to the Achievers Alliance, I do one-on-one coaching, which is, you know, obviously a little more intense. It's, you know, more personal, but I do that because that keeps me sharp. You know, when I'm creating content, when I'm going to go on stage and speak, I know what people are struggling with because I'm having those conversations one-on-one with people every single week, right? So I'll always do a little bit. Everyone wants to scale their business and all that. I will always have a little bit of one-on-one coaching because it keeps me sharp and it allows me to know, like what's interesting, Grant, is when I see, oh, the solo entrepreneur, they're struggling with actually the same fear and all of that as the super successful executive that has five houses. Right, right. I get to see that because I'm on the outside, right? And I'm, you know, coaching them, but that gives me perspective. And so when I go to do a keynote, I feel like I'm in tune a little more to what the person sitting in that chair is really going through. Right, you know, right. what, what are they really afraid of? What are they really struggling with? And I can just kind of get straight to that and let's work that out less than like, let me make sure I tell this grand, you know, 20 minute story that's going to be, you know, inspiring and whatever. It's like, yeah, you know what? Forget, like, I'm not that good of a storyteller. I'll just go right in. Right, right. I mean, <laughs> like, hey, I know you're struggling with this. Let's fix that now let's go eat like everybody have a nice life right (laughs) that's more my style you said early on that you you basically talk on two big different topics so you've got the mindset and the habit side of it and then you've got the marketing side of it so how did you kind of land on those topics and why speak on both of them versus just picking one or the other Mm, this is a great question and i think a lot of speakers need to trust their gut instinct and so what had happened is the success i had in my real estate business was that other companies were contacting me to help them with their brand and their marketing. Yeah. And as I was doing that, I start working with like big brands, like worldwide, like everyone knows them kind of thing. And I write a book on branding and it's like, okay, great. But what happened is every single client that came to me for coaching said, hey, we need branding help, we need marketing help or whatever. And I realized their mindset was messed up. And so like they could implement all these proven strategies. That's great. But like if your head's not right, right. you're going to find a way to mess that up. And you're not going to grow the business the way you want. You're not going to be able to serve people at the level that you want to. So it was like, well, we can work on the marketing stuff. But first, we got to fix you know, this other stuff. Right. And so as I was doing more and more of that, here's what's interesting. I speak at an event many years ago. And it was an event with several other speakers that were way more high profile than me. Certainly better, more polished speakers. And I get on stage and I do you know, an hour-long talk on branding. And I get a standing ovation and I come off thinking I am like king of the world. Sure. Like this yeah. is awesome. And the other speakers, like they came up and they were like, where did you come from? Like, that was phenomenal. Like, you know, my goodness. Yeah. And one of them, who's like a mutual friend of ours, he was like, I'm completely jealous. Like, I now hate you. I don't want you to ever speak again. <laughs> you know, kind of he was you know, joking about it. And then they did a survey for the attendees. Like, what speaker did you get the most? And I like 92% of the vote I won. And I thought like, this is incredible. Well, after that happened, my wife and the lady who put on the event, who I'm friends with, they pulled me to the side and they said, hey, that was really cool, but why were you miserable? 
what do you mean? Why was I mi-? like, I don't know if you just saw what happened, but that I'm was magic, pretty awesome. Right? <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know, you know, make sure you got that on video because like, it's never going to get any better than that. <laughs> oh. And they were like, no, we know you like that was good, but that wasn't like the same passion we see when you're just at a coffee shop and run into an entrepreneur and like, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And what struck me about that grant was that I knew that I kind of wanted to talk a little more about like what I call self-leadership, you know, put your oxygen mask on first, take care of yourself so you can be a better leader at home in business, your community, you know, all of that. And I thought, but I can't do that because I'm the branding and marketing guy. Like I can't make that shift. You know, Tim Ferriss can do it. He can write a book about working out and then a book about breaking eggs or whatever. Like (laughs) he can do that. Right. Cause he's Tim Ferriss. Like I can't do that. You know, cause like I look at all the other people who are really good at what they do and I'm like, you know, they're consistent right? Like they are hitting that mark. And I'm like, gosh, like I can't do this. So on the flight home, I make a list of every client that would fire me if I change topics. Hmm. And I'm like, well, yeah, this person would let me go. And this person, you know, and I got all the way down to a guy who's a friend of mine. I'm like, well, he can't fire me because that's awkward. Like we're friends. Like, <laughs> he's stuck, with, he's me, stuck right? with me. Yeah. Like he's paying for the friendship. And so I was like, okay, well, I'll at least still have one client. Like that's better than zero. So I get home and I start talking to the clients and every one of them were like, wait, what's different than what you talked to us about already? And I'm like, huh. what? What?" And they were like, we don't look at you as our marketing coach. We look at you as like our mentor. And I'm like, oh, like now the branding guy has his brand completely wrong. Yeah. And so I thought, but what does the outside public think? So I had a gig coming up in Toronto and I'll never forget this. Uh, I get there. I'm supposed to do, you know, the opening keynote on branding and marketing and all that social media, you know, it's that kind of conference. And I get on stage and I tell them that that's my opening line. I said, I'm supposed to talk to you about what's working in marketing right now. I said, but I'm not going to tell you any of that because what I'm going to tell you is more important. If you don't figure out the things that I'm about to share with you, I don't care how much you know about marketing, you're still going to be struggling this time next year. And I just poured it all out. Like here it is very raw, not polished, no slides, no, you know, stories with it, like nothing. And everyone came up to me and they were like, that was phenomenal. And the people that hired me, they come up to me and I'm like, well, I'm not going to get paid now. Like, you know, here we go. (laughs) And they were like, Hey, can we go ahead and book you for next year? Wow. And I was like, well, yeah, sure. Like you only do the branding talk that I was supposed to do You know, this time. (laughs) No, we want this. And so as I started putting that content out there, I realized I got more traffic. I got more engagement people were resonating with that so much more. And I still, like I said, I still talk about marketing. I still help people with branding, but it's not as much like the critical thing people are hanging on because so many of my audience, they already know what their business is. They know what they want to do. They know what their goals are. They in general kind of know how to do it. You know, they're not sitting there like, well, how do I use Facebook? Like they get it. They're just sitting there going, why isn't this working? Why am I not making $800,000 or a million dollars or whatever. And I've realized from my past, I struggled with depression when I was a child that led me to learn all the stuff about mindset and attitude and, you know, have the right habits. And so I was like, Oh crap, like maybe that's why I went through all that pain because now I'm equipped to help others get out of their own way to go do those things. So you're in a spot where you're doing a lot of speaking on, on marketing, branding, leadership, and realizing internally, okay, I, I'm over here and I'd kind of like to be over there and worried about making that shift. So for someone that may be listening that may be in a similar spot going, okay, I'm, I'm speaking on one thing and it's fine, it works, but I'm really interested in, in 
changing course and going a different direction. But I'm worried that, like you said, you're going to alienate you know, existing clients or previous clients, or it's going to cause confusion in the marketplace. Like, Oh, I thought he did this, but wait, he's also doing that. Like, who is this guy? So is there anything that you would have done differently in that process or anything that would have made it smoother for you to make that transition? Yeah. I I wish I had been more confident from the start. And what I mean by that is I would almost be on stage apologetic about it. Gotcha. Like, Hey, I know you thought I was going to talk about branding and I'm sorry, but I really feel like this is more important. So if it's okay with you, right. you, you know, like, and that just sounds so weak. Right? Yeah. Like, it doesn't sound like, oh, get ready to take notes because this guy is about to, you know, drop wisdom on you. Yeah, It just sounds like sloppy and unprofessional. And so I don't want to say like, oh, I wish I owned it, you know, more. But yet I do wish I more confidently said, you know what? I know people need to hear this. Let me just make sure that I strongly put it out there. Because what ended up working, Grant, was that, all of the sudden, all of the things that we think are so important as a speaker, like we're gone, meaning, you know, my slide deck wasn't polished and proven. I didn't have the places where it's like, oh, if I put this joke here, that's going to really work or this story is going to make them cry or, you know, this yeah. closing, this call to air, any of that. Instead, it was just, I'm going to get up here and truly be myself. And I'm going to tell you how messed up I've been. And I think you're messed up too. And here's how we can fix that. And just pour it all out there. And the audience was like, just responding in this way of like, it was refreshing because I wasn't super polished. It was just more real. It was more raw. But all of that made it more relevant. And I wish I had owned that a little bit more early on. But I was, again, I was so afraid because, you know, we're told like, have your niche and stay focused and, you know, know your lane and like all that. And I was sitting there and I was second guessing it and the audience never cared. You know, they just, they want to know like, well, what are you passionate about? What do you have to share with us? That's, you know, a value that's important. And like I said, the more I just kept opening up and allowing myself to on stage, go down those different conversations, it kept working. And I, like I said, I just wish I didn't hold back, you know, in the beginning. How did you find that balance between being vulnerable on stage and sharing, here's where I'm at, here's some things that's going on in between my ears and what's happening upstairs in my head. But at the same time, making sure that you are providing value for an audience. Because it's, you know, at the end of the day, you're not up there having your own self-therapy session, you know, in front of a live audience that are going, this is great, but like, what's in it for (laughs) me, you know? And an audience is always wondering that, like, how does this apply to me? So how did you make that connection of, yeah, here's some stuff I'm wrestling with. And I think you're wrestling with it too. And like, how did that play out? Yeah, I did it more like, if I'm going to talk about myself, it still has to be about them. Mm -hmm. So it was, here's everything you need to do. And PS, the reason I know you need to do this is I was there too. Yeah. Right. I struggled, you know, with that same thing. And so all of a sudden it was less like, oh, I'm going to tell my story. And it was just more of, I'm going to keep telling you, like, here's all the how to, here's the content, here's what you should do. And the credibility part came in of, this is why I learned this. Because, you know, I was there as well. And what I found is a lot of times you don't have to fill in every piece for the audience. I think the audiences are way smarter than speakers give them credit for. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, you think about how many speakers like read their slides to the audience. Like, you know, safe to assume your audience can probably read. You know, like, you're, you'll be okay, you, you know, on that one. But wh- what I mean by that is I don't have to say, hey, I struggled with depression and this is what that looked like. And here's all that. 
like I one time I had an opening line where I said there have been times in my life where I've wanted suicide more than success. And then I just keep going. I don't need to say any more than that. That audience gets it. They can read between the lines and know like, okay, that like there's a pain there. Yeah. And they don't have to have the same pain. We relate because everyone's had some kind of pain, right? (laughs) You know, know, some kind of thing. And so that's the thing is like, I just, I don't talk much about myself, but I just drop those pieces in that kind of remind the audience, this is why I know what I'm talking about with this. Yeah. Because I've been through it. How do you find the the balance in terms of like being vulnerable? Because even like you kind of alluded to, oftentimes as speakers, we're, we feel like we're supposed to be, we're the wizard on top of the mountain going like, I figured it out. Come follow me. Let me show you the way, you know, like we're supposed to have it together. And the reality is, is, is we don't like at the end of the day, we're humans too. And as soon as we get off that stage, we're dealing with stress and life and drama right, and right. business and all the things like normal human things. So how did you find that balance between being raw, being vulnerable, being like you're know, pulling back the curtain and the, and pulling back the mask and the shell, like this is this is who I am and this is what I'm rattling wrestling with, and I think you are too. But at the same time, being you know a confident guide to say, hey, this is where I am, but also hey, come with me. Let me show you where you need to be headed. So I think there's there's two things with that. One is you have to understand that no matter what you say, if you're the one standing on stage and you've got the microphone there's a certain percentage of people in that audience that assume you know what you're talking about. Yeah. Because you're up there. They picked you. They think something, some kind of vetting process that was, you know, super intense, you know, happened. In reality, you know, the event was like, are you willing to speak? Because we need somebody. (laughs) Come on up. You know, kind of a thing. But so there's always that assumption, like they're rooting for you. Yeah. Right. They already see you as a bit of an authority. Now, the key part is to confidently share your message. And that's that component of like, when you're sharing the how-to stuff, do it with confidence. I see so many speakers and I think, wow, what they're saying is actually phenomenal, but they don't sound like they believe it. Yeah. And it's like, gosh, if you just can have that conviction of like, I'm willing to get into a fist fight over my content. Yeah. You know, like that's how I don't want to, but, but that's how passionate right. I am about it. Like, and it's not an ego of like, I feel like I'm right. And if someone disagreed, they're wrong. Right. It's that that's how much I feel like it will help someone. Right. You know, the message has to be bigger than you. And when you really feel like, oh my gosh, like that message is bigger than me, then it's not about you. And you just can confidently communicate it. You know, I, I go back, like I live by this quote from Rick Warren who once said that the purpose of influence is to help those without it. And like, I just, I keep reminding myself that every time I go on stage, like, that's why I'm here. Like, why do I want a bigger audience? Why do I want, you know, my business to grow or whatever? Right. It's not because I want fame or money or those things. It's because the more influence I have, the more I can turn around and help those who don't have it. Right. right. You know, and help them get it. And I just feel like that's how you make the world a better place. Right. It's like kind of keep repeating that cycle. So I think that's the thing, man. It's like, to me, the core strategy in all of speaking is confidence. You know, and like I mean, I've seen speakers where I thought, wow, their content sucks, but man, they believe it. Right. Like, you know, right. Like, they've almost got me convinced, right? <laughs> because they're so confident. I remember hearing a speaker say several years ago, Are you smoking what you're selling? 
Like when you're on stage, like, do you like, do you believe it? Or are you just regurgitating it? Cause you know, like you feel like that's what the audience wants to hear. You feel like that's what you're supposed to be right. saying. I thought that was a great point. You know, like, that do is, you yeah. actually, do you actually believe it? So let's, let's go down that path for a second because you do a lot with mindset. You do a lot with helping people with what happens, you know, between their ears and what's happening in their mind. For a lot of speakers, we get on stage because we, and we, like we talked about, we want to put on the best version of ourselves. And the reality is you and I are close friends with several people off stage who are just some messed up people <laughs> and just have a lot going on in life. So how do we as speakers begin to, I don't know, like I guess in some ways feel more comfortable in our own skin, feel more comfortable with who we are and who like who we are as human beings? It's a great question. And, and I don't know that there's a fantastic answer for it other than we just have to remember there's going to be someone in that audience that's going to relate to you. Yeah. You know, if you like football, there's going to be people that like football. If you're a parent, there's other parents, you know, there's always something. And that's like getting comfortable with if I put this out there, there's going to be people that in some way, shape or form are going to relate to it. You know, I make fun of my mother-in-law a lot. Like I make fun <laughs> of my content, my books when I'm on stage and everything. And like, here's the thing, like most of the time people start laughing, like they get it. They've got a mother-in-law totally. that drives them crazy or whatever. And I've only had one time and I've spoke since 2003, one time someone who like kind of got upset yeah. and we had the Q and A and that was their thing. Like they didn't have a question. Yeah. They just said, you made fun of your mother-in-law a lot. And I said, yes. And they said, my mother-in-law is an angel. And I just said, oh man, you're so lucky. Mine's still alive. <laughs> and like the audience was like, loved it and they were on my side, right? But right. You know, he, he couldn't relate. So, yeah. you know, he's not buying any of my products, yeah. <laughs> but, but that's okay. Like, cause other people will. And I think that's the thing is like, you get comfortable with the imperfections because it makes you more relatable, man. I failed high school English three times and still became a best-selling author. Yeah. I had speech therapy for eight years to get rid of a list that I still have, you know, <laughs> like, you know, again, like I shouldn't be the person who's like, oh yeah, you get on stage and tell people what to do. Like, no, I should not be that guy. Right. But I allow like I'll share those things because it makes that person in the audience say, you know what? Okay, wait a minute. If this idiot can do it, right, then right. I can do it. And I'm cool if that's what inspires them. Like I don't mind my mistakes and my right. imperfections being what inspires them because again, I'm just trying to share something positive that you know that helps them and makes them want to take action. And that's yeah, that's what it's all about. Well, I think there's a lot of speakers who and we were kind of talking a little bit about this beforehand. That anytime we're up on stage, you you kind of have that internal dialogue of like, who am I to be up here? Like, what? Do, why are these people listening to me? Why was I hired to do this? Why would they give me a dime to to stand up here? So, what do you find are some of those more common limiting beliefs that speakers have? Because again, we want to put on the persona that like, oh yeah, I'm the most confident person in the room, and I'm here to motivate and change your life. And in reality, like, there's a lot happening of just the the uh, fears of insecurities of doubts. So, what do you find are some of those more common limiting beliefs for for speakers? One is that if you have a bad gig that that's the end of your career. Yeah. You know, like as if this one time that you talked for 60 minutes, you know, that didn't go great. Yep. It's now going to define the rest of your life. You know, like that's not the case, right? Unless you say something like truly horrible, then I mean, I right. guess that's it's like, but you're probably not going to do that. Right. But that's like, that's the thing is I see people who will speak, like you said, you know, people are speaking, you know, 75 times a year and they'll have one bad gig and they're like, I just don't know how I'm going to recover. Right. That was it. And I'm like, recover? like you've got 74 other gigs. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? You yeah. know, we don't, I mean, that's the thing, like, look at the best actors out there. Like Tom Hanks 
every movie he's made has not been fantastic. Yeah. You know, and he knows that, but he keeps making movies. Like how many concerts have the Rolling Stones done? Where was every one of them phenomenal? Right. I can't imagine. Right. <laughs> right? right. Like, I, you know, and, but that's what happens with speakers. Like even the good ones, the, the veterans, the ones that, man, they can do it with their eyes shut. They have one off day and all of a sudden they think, well, how's this going to affect my bookings? Right. Right. You know, am I going to get invited? back? And it's like, wait, what? Like you're allowed a bad day. Yeah. You, you know, like, I mean, that's, we're not doctors. Like it's not, you know, heart surgery where kind of, we don't want you to have a bad day. You got to be <laughs> like, batting a thousand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, it's, it's okay. That's one of the most limiting beliefs I see is yeah. that right there. And then another big one is we put the successful speakers out there and their popularity up on this pedestal to the point that we think like, oh, they inspire me. And then they stop inspiring you and they intimidate you. Oh, I can never get 20 grand a gig. Oh, I could never, you know, speak as many times as them. I could never get that event or I could never speak in front of 5,000 people or whatever. Like all of a sudden those people go from your heroes to they're the ones holding you back because in your mind you have elevated them to a point that you don't, can't visualize yourself being. Yeah. And that's a big, big mistake because like you said, the reality is when you meet these people and they're off stage, they're just like everybody else. You know, just like everybody else. I remember... I was at an event to hear Seth Godin speak. He, yeah. he was the keynote. And I'm walking through the hotel and sitting in like this little cafe is Seth eating breakfast by himself. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my God, like this is my chance, this right? And I'm moment. young and naive. Like, I didn't know that maybe I shouldn't bother him. So I just go up to him and I'm just immediately like, dude, your book, Purple Cow, like that was life. Like, you know, I'm just going in all of it. Like, you were amazing. <laughs> and he's like, oh, okay, thanks. He's like still eating. And I was like, so I just like one question, like, I just like, what's Seth Godin's biggest fear? Yeah. He's like, man, I'm eating breakfast. Like, that's a heavy question for, you know, over eggs. Right. And he was like, I'll tell you what he said. It's that I'll wake up tomorrow and everyone will realize I don't know what I'm talking about. (laughs) And I was disappointed with that answer. I'm in my early twenties and I'm like, wait, what? Like, that was the lamest answer. (laughs) Like that made no sense. He's just trying to eat his eggs. Yeah, yeah, and then years later, I've realized the brilliance behind that. Yeah, of like, oh, he's just like I am. Yeah, he's yep. just like everyone else. I put him on this pedestal. Yeah, you know, how do you get Seth Godin money? Yeah, how, how do you you know sell that many books? How do you have those kind of gigs and like all that? Not realizing that that's dangerous for me to do. Be inspired by someone, absolutely. Set goals that you see others have achieved, absolutely. But don't trick yourself into thinking that they are somehow more talented or more special than you are when that's not the case. I think you would admit, Grant, that some of the speakers out there with the most like powerful message are ones that like the world's yet to hear. Yeah. It's not, you know, the same old, same old people. Right. I tell people like when people ask, uh, I had lunch yesterday with a friend and he said, man, how's things going? I was like, dude, we're like, we're all making it up as we go. Like, none of us are like are these w- experts that have it all figured out. We know exactly what to do. And I remember, um, this is earlier this year. I was at a, uh, we both live here in Nashville and was at a breakfast with a couple guys. And, and one of the guys there had just, he'd been working a corporate job, had just quit his, his gig. And this was like his first week doing his own thing. And so I remember asking him like, dude, how do you feel? And I remember him saying like, man, I'm, I'm excited. I'm terrified. I'm scared. I'm anxious. I'm worried. I'm, like all this range of emotions. And I said, I've, I've been self-employed for over a decade. And like, that doesn't go away. Cause you always <laughs> still feel that, you know, there, there are days where you're just like, I just, I, I'm on top of the world and days you're like, I have no idea what I'm doing. 
And it's just, uh, it's so, it's so true. So do you feel like, is that a bad thing or how do you, you know, should we acknowledge that or how do we acknowledge that in a healthy way? What should that look like? I find there's freedom in that, right? You know, there's freedom in that because what it means is that we don't have to be an expert first to have success. Yeah. You know, everyone thinks, well, I have to be perfect in every single area and then I'll make the money that this person does. No, that's not the case. Yeah, you know, that's not the case at all. And and you're you know you're you're exactly right. Like I think as we share that, sometimes you know people they kind of like have this sigh of relief. Like, yeah. Oh, okay. like so a mutual friend of ours had worked with like a massive organization, a big brand, and things got bad, and they left, and it was the right move. And they called me, and they were like, "Listen, like this is about to be everywhere. It's going to be all over social media and everything. But can you go to lunch because like I'm now on my own." I want to talk to you about it. So I was like, sure, man, like I'll do that. So we meet in Franklin, which is south of Nashville and we're having sushi and I don't even like sushi, but like the dude's, you know, very upset. So like I'll eat sushi, whatever. <laughs> and like he says, he's like, okay, like now that I'm running this business on my own, what are the steps? Yeah. And I'm like, what? And he was like, can you give me a checklist? I'm like, I'll tell you what, I'm going to buy your sushi. That's what I can do. <laughs> I'll Let's buy start there. <laughs> you know, like I can give you tips, right? You know, and yeah. I can, you know, I can help create a roadmap for you. Sure. But there's not a proven, you have to do these steps in this order. Again, look at how we started this. Yep. There are people out there that speak a hundred times a year, or I don't even know if that's possible, but I guess that they do. And you know, they're getting paid a million dollars to do it and all this stuff. And like, that's amazing. And that's yet not my business Yep. You know, because the heavy part of my business is coaching. And that's the thing is we realize that, yes, it's making it up as we go, but this is why we chose this life. Yeah. Because this isn't a business that you put in a box and you have to do it this way. You know, you don't have to wear the suit on stage, wear what you want to wear on stage, charge what you feel like you can get and what value you bring and speak a lot or don't or whatever. Like, again, like it's that thing, you know, you mentioned a moment ago, I speak a lot like in the business world, but then also for churches and very much like in the faith based world. And I've had other speakers say, yeah, you can't do that. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, like, where did they write that down that I can't do that? Like if someone's hiring me and they're willing to pay me to come speak. I don't care who it is. Right. <laughs> it could be a circus. Right. I'll show up. I'll do something. But that's the thing is like we sometimes we get hung up on like, well, what are the rules? Right. There are no rules. Right. You get to make up the rules to the game. The game can be played however, however it makes sense for you. There's no right or wrong way to do it. So one other thing I'm, I'm kind of curious about is if someone's listening to this and they go on, like you kind of alluded to, someone comes off stage, they, it didn't go well. You know, they bombed, the audience wasn't there, the room, the environment wasn't set up, they were off their game, they were mentally distracted, slides didn't work, any number of things that go wrong. So there's that microcosm of what happens in a speech. And then there's also like seasons of speaking where it's like, I'm just not getting, man, they're getting booked left and right. I can't get a booking to save my life. Like <laughs> nobody's interested. And they keep raising their fees. They just got a book deal. That just happened for them. Nothing's happening for me. I feel discouraged. I feel depressed. I feel worried. I feel anxious. How do we overcome those mental roadblocks and hurdles that, that hit all of us at, at any given time? Yeah, that's such a phenomenal point. One thing is you're never going to achieve success when you have the attitude of a victim. The more it's poor me and they got this and they got that, like you're going to struggle. And so you you can't play the role of the victim. What you can do is build a really good support environment that you lean on. You know, I know at the end of the day that I can say something stupid on stage or I can have a gig not go well. At the end of the day, when I get home, my wife and two kids think I'm a hero. Yeah. And it doesn't matter what social media says and it doesn't matter, you know, how the event went or whatever. Like 
I've got them I can lean on. Totally. I've got friends I can lean on. I can call you and say, I just did the dumbest thing ever. Like, right. listen to how dumb this story is. And you can say, yeah, that was really dumb. But then also, you know, offer words of encouragement or whatever. Right. And I think that we don't rely on our environment enough and understand that, like, that's why we build friendships. That's why right. we put good people in our life. So that's one thing is having that. And then the other thing is just remembering that some people do get up opportunities. Some people do get things that seem unfair. And like, I mean, I have it even still, I'll be like, wait, do people know that guy's an idiot? Like how did he, (laughs) well, not me, you know, and I have it here in Nashville, you know, nothing worse than when I see someone keynoting something in Nashville that I'm like, wait a minute, I live here. They're a moron. And this is in my backyard. Right. What has happened? You know, the world is horrible. You know, all like that kind of thing. Like it's easy to fall into that trap where you combat it is you start staying active. That's the mistake people make. The gigs start drying up. And every time that happens, you can go and look. Their marketing efforts also take a step back. Yeah. You don't post on social media as often. You don't network as often. Like because you feel depressed and because you feel intimidated, you slow down doing the work. And that's the worst thing that you can do. So the moment I have a season like that where I'm feeling that way, I use that as a trigger to do 10 times more work. Right. Like, okay, I'm going to post on social media way more than I did. I'm going to send more emails. I'm going to network more and all that. Like I'm going to do more video. I'm going to do more whatever than I was before because action beats that depression almost every single time. And so you get in that rut, use it as a trigger. Like, Hey, this is a signal. It's time for me to just step up. And also I will tell you, I think the biggest thing that would help someone's speaking career immediately is stop paying attention to other speakers. Yeah. You know, I'm like, who cares if they had a book launch? Don't sit. Like I used to sit there and be like, okay, that person promoted this dude's book. If they don't promote mine, right. like, oh man, it's you know, over. Like, yeah, I'm going to unfriend them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Like what am I actually going to do? Right. But that's the thing is like, you know, I used to be able to sit there and be like, well, my business sucks, but man, I could tell you how many gigs this person had. And yeah. I, you know, I've seen all their, like that, that's what happens. And that's what I'm saying. Like, you can't, you can't do that. Like right. I tell people like, Stop that. If you can sit here and remember the last 10 videos Gary Vaynerchuk put out, then I'm going to tell you right now, 30 days from now, your business is going to be hurting. Right. And right. I know Gary and I love him, but don't consume all of that. Right. Right. You got to focus on your thing. Well, at the same time, there's also the balance of, you know, building friendships and relationships with people who are speakers, who are all in the industry, who get it. Because this is kind of a weird world. This is kind of this yeah. isolating, you know, being an entrepreneur can be very isolating and be very lonely. And, you know, I remember uh, I was talking with a friend yesterday who was at a, on a speaking gig in Argentina. And we were kind of joking about outside looking in, you'd be like, oh, you're in Argentina. That's so cool. And they're like, yeah, but it's tiring. I took a red eye down here. I'm speaking a bunch. It's not like you're on, you're not on vacation. You know, all these right. places that we get to go, it's not like a sightseeing adventure. You fly right. there, you go to the hotel, you go to the convention center, go back to the hotel, go to the airport, you go home and you're away from your family. You're not sleeping in your own bed. Your time zones are off. So it's not always glamorous, but it's hard to like complain about that to people who are outside of this little weird speaker bubble. So it's helpful to find those people who, you know, like you said, you, you, when you come off stage and you just, you can tell someone like, I just suck today. I really suck. And they, they get it. They understand and they can give you a hug and give you a smack on the head and be like, it's okay. You'll get them next time. You know? So it's, it's helpful to surround yourself with those, those people. Absolutely. It's critical. 
Cool, man. Well, hey, listen, we didn't even get to the topic that we, you and I were planning on covering. <laughs> so we had talked about this ahead of time of some stuff that we were going to get to, but this was really good, really good. So, hey, uh, we, we may need to have you back for part two here and we can get into the, I'd, the I'd be happy we'll, to. we'll tease people on, we, we, they don't even know what we were like, they don't even know what they missed out on. So if people want to find out more about you and uh, what you're up to, where can we go? They can go to johnmichaelmorgan.com. Don't forget the, the domain that cost me nine dollars. So <laughs> <laughs> they, they can go there and then they can find, you know, I'm on Facebook at John Morgan and Twitter and Instagram and all that. So, yeah, I'm not hard to find. Cool. All right, brother. Thanks for the time, man. Appreciate you. Thank you. All right, there you go. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with John Michael Morgan. Hey, one thing I, I've mentioned to you before, but if you haven't already, make sure you stop by and you check out freespeakerworkshop.com. Again, that's freespeakerworkshop.com. Every single week, we are hosting a free training where we're teaching you all about how to find and book paid speaking engagements. So again, make sure you check that out over at freespeakerworkshop.com. All right, my friends, that wraps up today's episode. We'll catch you next time. You're awesome. Awesome.